The Joyful Friar podcast is made possible by the generous support of our friends. To support the podcast, please visit nathan-castle.com and donate today. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm your host, Father Nathan. I'm a little uh, throaty today. The um, allergies or whatever, I'm not exactly sure, but um, I'm happy to be with you, with you today. Today I'm going into the third of a part of a trilogy of the story of Tony Tinkerbell and the Floating Anthonies. That story is can be found in uh, my new book, Afterlife Interrupted, book three. Please let me explain. All the books in that particular, uh, all the stories in that book, we chose because we felt like people explained themselves really well, either the process of their uh, their sudden dying or uh, processes, experiences they've had since that are helping them move to greater and greater truth and freedom in their afterlife journey. This story is particularly Roman Catholic, Italian Catholic. When um, when I met Tony, he, he came in a dream, as everyone, all of my, my folk do, came in the, into my dream if you recall, he was a young man uh, in a work crew in a in the back middle of a 15-passenger van being delivered to a work site when there was an accident that took his life. He, um, you can go back to the previous two podcasts to learn more about that. If you haven't listened to those already, I'd recommend that. But his life was so, and his story was so full of uh, ethnic Catholicism, I thought this might be a good time for me to indulge a little of that. I know there are a lot of other uh, priests and who uh, have m- media uh, in the world and uh, and are particularly appealing to a Roman Catholic audience. And I think of my audience as being both uh, Catholic small c, meaning universal, and large c, meaning the specific denomination, the Roman Catholic Church. But uh, today I want to move into uh, Tony's story and flesh out a little bit of mine. I was raised a Roman Catholic kid in a place in Southeast Texas where most of the other Catholics were Cajuns. They had, uh, so they were uh, Acadian French who came down from the maritime provinces of Canada during a a purge or uh, they needed to leave there and they settled in the swampy parts of uh, South Louisiana. Our county was right on the border with Louisiana. So some of them had um, drifted across the Sabine River into Texas. The Texas oil boom in uh, 1903 created uh, the most of the, the 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 small cities around where I grew up. But the area ended up at the time of my arriving in it being about half Catholic and half evangelical Christian. That's the way it seemed anyway, mostly Baptist, uh, Pentecostal, um, Church of Christ, but um, mostly uh, evangelical uh, Christian. And in the early 60s, when I was growing up in Catholic school and stuff, there were uh, unkind things that one kind of Christian said to another. In fact, I was told by um, Protestant playmates that I wasn't a Christian because I was a Catholic. Uh, those things went back and forth. There there were 
uh, ways in which Catholics would behave like we're the only ones that God listens to and everybody else is on the outs. So anyway, I grew up with that in the background. Never made sense to me because on the other hand, God is love. God created everybody. Heard that message too. And that just sounded more uh, deeper and truer to me that we didn't need to be too concerned with the fact that one prays the, or the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer this way, and the other one prays it a different way or all that. I went off to, I, I was in, in Catholic schools almost exclusively K through 12 with, with one year in, in public school when our elementary school closed. But then I went off to a Protestant college, Trinity in, in San Antonio, which was Presbyterian. But um, most of the people that I ended up in uh, in a kind of prayer fellowship with were evangelical Christian. And I was sometimes the first Catholic they'd ever really known and spoken to. And uh, so we were kind of cross-pollinating each other's Christian faith and beginning to see that uh, maybe some of the things that we had been told about the other kind uh, weren't necessarily the whole truth. One of the things that I was uh, told early on is that uh, you Catholics pray to statues. You you make idols. Uh, and of course, that's against the first commandment. Um, and I had to explain to people, no, it's just that God's heart includes other people. And you're, you're, you're still talking to God, even though you're talking to God, uh, one of the saints embedded in the heart of God. But anyway, I wonder if you've ever heard of the idea of praying with St. Joseph, the husband of Mary, praying to Joseph as the patron of a happy death. Happy death. Those are not words that you find next to one another very often. But it was a part of my story, and I want to share it with you today. Tony didn't anticipate his death. He was in, in good health. He was young, and he was just in an automobile accident that, that took his life. But if you read his story, he uh, moves through it pretty quickly. And uh, even though he wouldn't have necessarily thought of himself as well prepared for his sudden death, in fact, he was. He uh, he had the tools to be able to adapt and he wasn't resentful. Um, he pretty much uh, lived in the present moment. And when his present moment took a great big change because of uh, the accident that took his life, he was uh, quickly adaptable. He followed directions well. Uh, and he had an attitude that whatever he did, he wanted to do it fast, that he didn't want any kind of long, slow, mournful processes, that he was just going to push himself to advance whatever that meant in the afterlife. Well, back to the idea of praying through St. Joseph, the patron of a happy death, of um in the early church, Joseph shows up, especially in the first couple of chapters of Matthew's gospel, as this uh, this person who was receptive to the Holy Spirit in dreams. Angels come in, in his sleep and uh, direct him, guide him. Well, you know, we're kind of kindred spirits. I, I get messages a lot in sleep. I, I I understand that. In fact, sometimes you'll even see statuary of Joseph lying down asleep. That's pretty uncommon. But the idea was he was in the early chapters, you know, when Jesus is an infant, 
And then there's one story in the Gospel of Luke where Mary and Joseph are in a caravan of other people that were going to the temple in Jerusalem. On the way home, Jesus is, uh, they presume that he's with other family members or friends, haven't seen him in a while, then they realize he stayed behind and they have to go running and find him. That's the, he's 12 years old at the time. And that's the last time Joseph is mentioned. He disappears from the story with no um, real closure. He just never gets mentioned again. Well, when you have a, um, you know, you know that um, phrase, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. When you have a spiritual vacuum in a story like that, like what happened to Joseph, uh, people come in with speculative stories. And uh, one of them assumes that Joseph has a sickbed upon which he dies and attending to him in his last days and hours are Mary on one side of the bed and Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Son of God, whatever, on the other side of the bed. And so he's got these just two enormously powerful, loving, spiritual juggernauts uh, attending to his death. And in the pious imagination of whoever crafted this, they thought that would just be the ideal death that Joseph must had, have had the perfect death. And so he begins to be spoken to in prayer about um, helping me out uh, at the time of my death. So I'm growing up in Southeast Texas and, and uh, my grandparents lived next door, my dad's parents. And my grandmother was a mystic. She was uh, a devout Catholic woman who did all the things that such folk do. Uh, mass each week, uh, praying the rosary. She had an, a lot of different uh, statuary or uh, uh, depictions of uh the divine persons and the saints around the house. She also had a, a particular devotion to St. Anthony of Padua, which uh, Tony uh, told us he has met. He met the, the real dude, he called him. Um, I think my grandmother had been a, a, a parishioner at St. Anthony's uh, Church in Beaumont, which is now the cathedral of the Diocese of Beaumont. Maybe that's where she got, um, uh, created a, a love for Anthony, but she walked around talking to him all the time. And to, to also Joseph the carpenter, uh, who helped her do renovation projects on her house. But she also spoke to Joseph as the patron of a happy death. And even though it, it would now be about 60 years ago, I would have been about seven, eight, nine, something like that. I remember her, I was I went over, I went next door and was visiting with her, and she just decided to tell me her secret. She did that with me. I don't know why, but I was the one that she chose to do that with. And she said, I want you to know about my prayer, about my happy death. I talk to St. Joseph and I tell him on a regular basis that um, here's the death I want. I need to stay here until your grandfather dies because he was 17 years older than she. He said, he's much older than I am. And he needs me to take care of him. And so I don't want to die until he's already died and that job is complete. But then she said, as soon as he dies, I would like to go right behind him because my work will be finished. That's what she ordered up. 
I was in college in San Antonio, about a five hour drive from my home. And my grandparents had moved into a, a nursing home uh, because at the time there weren't very many options. You either lived in your home uh, on your own strength or you went into a nursing home. That was just about all there was. So for, there was a period where my mother and and the rest of our family members, you know, prepared meals and did laundry and tried to uh, help them stay in their home. But they they ended up in in a you know in a two person nursing home. And I was actually studying nursing home administration. There was a program at Trinity, my university, that uh, that was kind of adjunct to the sociology department that I was studying in, and it interested me. And they were looking for students, and, and so. I was recruited to take this course in nursing home administration of all things. And I was taking it with while my grandparents were in one. So I thought maybe that was an adult skill. I could help my parents with, uh, with my new learning that maybe I could somehow contribute. Well, anyway, it was, it was, uh, it will be, um, the anniversary of this event will be tomorrow. I'm recording this on, January 3rd of 2023 and my grandparents died on January 4th and 5th 1978 so it would be what their 26th anniversary of their passing well here's how it worked I was I was at home uh, having breakfast and one of my aunts one of their daughters was home she's a nun and she was at our house and we were just having breakfast when the phone rang and someone on the other end of the phone said, get up to the nursing home right away. Well, they don't normally tell you that someone's died over the phone. They'd rather do that in person. They'd rather have you come in. So we both looked at each other and said, it sounds like someone has died. Which one is it? So we hurriedly got there. And when we did come into the room, we were told that the, the issue of the moment was that my grandmother could no longer swallow on her own. And uh, they wanted to know what we wanted to do did we want uh did we want to uh, let her die a natural death or did, did we want um to uh have an incision made in her in her belly and so they could squeeze some kind of food into her stomach well that just it, it i don't know if you think that's a moral dilemma the two of us just looked at one another and thought she was already in dementia um she had no quality of life to speak of uh, and now would you like us to cut a hole in her and squeeze, um, nourishment into her stomach? Uh, it just sounded like extraordinary means to me that, um, that were just unnecessary and undesirable. It wasn't my call. It really belonged more to my aunt, but she did consult me. And I said, would you like to live like that? And neither one of us did. So, uh, so the nurse got the answer that she needed from us and, uh, she said, excuse me while I go put some paperwork together, I'll need your signatures. And so now things have changed because now my grandmother's uh, death will be imminent. And so I was looking at her and there were two twin hospital beds and I was looking at her now in a different light because uh, her time here is gonna be short now. So it was profound. But my, my aunt, Sister Maximus, was at the foot of her dad's bed and she said, look over here and i turned and she took her hands and she put them down like at her waist and she raised them up like this and said 
I just watched daddy leave. Okay. Well, we weren't here for him. We were here for her. But that, I just that week had learned about, you know, everybody knows to feel for a pulse. To, if, if there's a question about whether a person is alive or not, feel for a pulse. And the other one that I hadn't heard about was put your finger under their nostril to see if you can feel the passage of any air going in or out. So I did both of those things. And I said, I've never done this before, but I think you're right. I think he has died. So um, moments later, a nurse bustles in with her head down, looking at a clipboard of the paperwork that she needed to, to do with regard to my grandmother. And I had to say to her, would you please look over here first? Because we think my grandfather might've just died. So she did. She went and with her professional expertise, she said, well, you know, you're right. He's gone. So um, uh, now we had at least one deceased relative, and we were certainly going to be doing a, a funeral in the short term. Uh, cremation was uncommon at the time, and uh, casket burial was the way funerals happened in that time and place. And they always happened within, you know, four or five days of the person's passing. So it was my job to go uh, find my dad at work and inform him that his dad had died and that his mother was probably going to follow him uh, quickly. And in fact, that's what happened. So uh, maybe she should have been more explicit about not wanting to be in dementia when she died, but she wanted him to die first and she wanted to go soon after. It turned out that he had died somewhere around nine o'clock in the morning. And she hung on until I think about two o'clock in the morning. So they didn't die on the same calendar day but they died within the same 24 hours. We were able to plan a funeral for a couple that had been married for 64 years. That was uh, two caskets. We, fa Our family proceeded up the aisle of our church with both of them, and we laid them to rest together. So that's my story of my, my grandmother's effective prayer for to St. Joseph, the patron of a happy death, that her wish was that she could stay long enough to survive him, but then go right behind him. And that's the way it played out. So uh, for what it's worth, if, if it ever occurred to you, and if, if praying to one of the saints sounds too foreign or like the people that I was growing up around, if that just sounds um, uh, disrespectful of God or, uh, idolatry or something like that. I'm sure you could rephrase it in a way that fits your own uh, prayer temperament, but I've just watched it. And it was part of my growing up to know that it was the thing you could do. Uh, it's like with, with asking for any other thing in prayer, it's important that when we ask for something in prayer, that we're receptive to uh, God's response to our prayer and that we're not resentful that, that, we didn't get we want what we wanted exactly the way we wanted it. But um, it made me, uh, the reason I'm telling this story is because Anthony in the, in the story of uh, Tony Tinkerbell and the floating Anthony's, it, that story was just so permeated with Roman Catholic uh, cultic practice, um, Catholic ways of thinking and doing things that uh, I thought maybe this would be a time to tell that story about that from my own um, 
my own life. We also pray the Hail Mary, which is uh, the language of an angel speaking to Mary at the very beginning when she's invited to uh, be the mother of Jesus. Uh, but that prayer, uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. That's all for, out of Luke's gospel. The second part of it, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That second part of that prayer is not explicitly uh, out of scripture. It's just an entreaty. And it's ask, it's going to your mother, your spiritual mother, and saying, um, would you be there for me at the time that I die? Uh, would you take some of the fear out of it? And would you accompany me through it and be there? So that's a prayer that I prayed for most of my life. It's not something that that I put a lot of focus on, uh, but uh, it wouldn't hurt to kind of uh, go to God who created you and sent you here for a time and will take you back home to him. That's my belief. You could say, if it if you can find it uh in your in your own will to let it happen this particular way i'd really like that like my grandmother saying i'd really like to be able to stay here just as long as he's here but then go quickly after him so that's a spiritual practice that uh that some catholic people have that you wouldn't necessarily have to be roman catholic to take part in if you adapt it to your own way of being so I'm going to leave it at that. This is a, a little briefer than some of the episodes of the Joyful Friar that I do. But um, for now, uh, this is Father Nathan Castle. Uh, remember that, um, well, I'm grateful that you watch and listen to this podcast and know that you're in my prayers. I pray for you regularly. God bless you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joyful Friar. Please like, follow, and subscribe. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. God bless.